0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. We are almost halfway through season five of We Need to Talk. So if you've enjoyed these powerful conversations and you want to support, make sure you go to patreon.com slash Hale. Thank you again to all of the patrons that have been a part of this community. I cannot do this without you. Now, to continue with those powerful conversations, my guest today is a singer and a music producer who has shot to TikTok fame with acquiring over one million followers. She's known for her innovation in turning unique sounds from viral videos into full-on hit songs. And we're going to be talking about her evolution of her music career and how she has overcome some personal struggles to be where she is today. Meredith Bull, thank you for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, as as a singer myself, I haven't made that step into dabbling into music production. But I am always in awe of of how music producers essentially create something out of nothing, and it becomes the whole song. Because really, the production makes the song. You can have a well written song, but if it isn't produced well, it it can make or break it. But for you, you know, listening to the to the music that you do and what you created, I was really really impressed of what you were able to create out of cat sounds, for example. Like, it really just blew my mind. But when did in your music passion and doing music production kind of come to fruition in your life? Or when did you really start to just decide, you know, hey, this is what I want to do?
1: So I've known <clears throat> that this was the, the career path for me since I was born. It's the only thing I've ever known. I started performing when I was four. And, um, yeah, yeah. I just, it's what I feel I'm here to do.
0: Yeah, who were you influenced by growing up musically?
1: You know, it's really wild. I the first album that I ever had was Natalie Cole, Un, Unforgettable.
0: Ugh, I love that and album. It's amazing. <laughs> it right? is amazing. Yeah, I, I grew just, up on Natalie Cole, so okay. you already have my heart. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so my grandparents loved Natalie Cole, and they used to come spend the summer with us every summer, and that was my favorite album that they would play. And one year when they left, they left the CD behind and gave it to me. And I really feel like I learned, I started training my voice when I was about seven, which is Mm -hmm. around the same time I got that album. And I think like the songs I used to perform when I was a kid were like Orange Colored Sky, Paper Moon. Um, So that's like how I learned to sing was like around that kind of style. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then I, like, focused on musical theater mostly until I was, like, you know, out of high school. So I think my sound is, like, an amalgamation of, like, you know, pop music, musical theater, funk, jazz. It's all over the place. It's
0: very eclectic. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think a lot of musicians and singers in general, they pull from different genres that they're influenced by. Because I don't think anybody listens to just one genre of music, right? Totally. when you started doing what you're doing now, which is taking different sounds from TikTok videos and creating them into songs, what what gave you the idea to start doing that? Because really, what you're doing is incredible. I want you to know that it's so so cool. Oh, thanks. Of course.
1: Thanks so much. Um, it was just procrastination. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I.
0: <laughs> I love that answer.
1: It Really was like I, you know, had you know, it's pandemic and. Obviously, TikTok had really become something different because of the pandemic, at least in our country. And um, a lot of people that were in the same sort of circle as me that were like independent musicians were like, you're really missing, you're going to miss out if you don't um, try to jump in on this because there's a lot of opportunity here. Yeah. And um, so I was... If, if you look at my YouTube, you'll see that I started... I did something like this a long time ago. Um, I used to listen to Chris D'Elia's podcast, and I made a song out of his audio from one of his episodes just for fun and also from procrastination. Yeah. And then a year later, here I was, and I found a video of a kid falling on the playground, and he, like, smacks his face into the pebbles below the playground, and then he lifts his face, and he giggles... And when he smacks his face, it was like exactly like a snare drum. And I was still in, in school for music production at the time. So I was just used to like pulling in sounds. And, you know, a lot of our assignments were building tracks every single week. So I just right. like had, I mean, you know, as a musician, like everything you hear is, has a musicality. To
0: Absolutely. It. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah.
1: this just had like a very strong sense. So I was like, oh, let me try this. And nobody watched it because nobody was watching anything I was making because I didn't, you know, have a following on there. Right, and then um, right. I think like a few days later, I found a video of a cat um, snapping a rubber band on like a shoebox. And so I wrote like a rap to it. I was like, I wrote the song about a cat with a box. He's got a rubber band. He likes to snap it on top because I was <laughs> trying to like. Cause I, I wanted to show that I sing, right. Because, or that I perform, like it wasn't just trying to show that I make beats.
0: Right. Right. so I'm
1: like, how can I show my face here? So it's like, let me tell a story about this sound. So that's kind of how it happened. And then, you know, it's kind of just become its own thing.
0: Yeah. How have you found though, that TikTok has been for indie musicians as opposed to other platforms?
1: Oh, man, what is the PC answer for this? Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't have to be PC. We, you can be very honest, very, very honest and open.
1: I know, but girl, I'm still trying to, you know, climb this ladder.
0: I get um, you. <laughs> I get you.
1: No, I think it's it's hard because at first I was like, wow, what an amazing time that we're living in. Because it's true. You can absolutely find an audience on TikTok that you'll never be able to find anywhere
0: else. Yeah, yeah.
1: But there is still the gatekeepers there that are the same gatekeepers outside of there. Mm. They've already made it to TikTok. And um, that's been a little disheartening is kind of being like, oh, I still have to find the secret keys to the gates. Um, if I want to scale more, you know, there's like only so much you can do. Right. Um, but I would still never stop suggesting, like there's certain friends I have in my life that do something really unique. Like I have a friend who creates, um, like one of a kind ghostbuster pieces that are like replicas and stuff. And he's so talented and somebody like him has such a niche on there. Um, and so there's certain friends in my life where I have a sound healer friend who does like prolific work with sound healing and frequencies mm-hmm. and I'm like there's an audience for you on TikTok you really should be trying to carve out your audience on there so for that it's I can't recommend it enough yeah, yeah. I, I I
0: think I will agree that with TikTok it probably is a little easier to find your audiences than on YouTube for example yes I feel like even though it's in general most platforms are kind of oversaturated it's easier i feel like at least for me to have found an audience and even to find content that i like and um connect with than like just going on youtube and like searching or whatever whatever shows up so i definitely agree with that but yeah the gatekeeping in general i think across the industry as a whole is difficult because once you get those like People that are already at the top, they just keep getting kind of recycled. I, I think that's a horrible word to use, but I think that that's yeah. just the way to describe it, you know. But you have found yeah. a way in, and I think what you're doing, there is a place for, it. and clearly you have a following, and and it's a niche thing that you're doing, which is really really cool. Um, so going back a little bit though, with your experience in just performing and doing music productions and so on and so forth, talk a little bit about when you were part of the Disney and Lucasfilm Strange magic
1: so i auditioned for this like weird quirky george lucas penned um fairy story in like 2011 and um we worked on it for four years wow and in that time disney purchased Lucasfilm, and then the, the project was like on hiatus and then it was like indefinite but then they like started judging it up again and then they like fired everybody and rehired and moved everybody around. And luckily I was part of the project the whole time, but I saw a lot of people come and go, which was kind of sad people that had been like on the project since its first development, even before the four years that I was on it. Um, but it was really cool you know I had never been part of like uh animated feature Mm and so just to just to see kind of like the trajectory of the work how it's created yeah um that job it's been fortunate for me that it's led to a lot of other work in a similar vein like I've done Mm -hmm. a lot of demo work for feature animation like Mm -hmm. the smurfs and trolls and um a lot of those films have demo vocalists because there's so much work involved in tweaking the storyline and the animation. It's really expensive. Yeah. So they kind of lay down scratch vocals a lot of the time and then they kind of bring in the big guns, the big expensive guns. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. It's, it, it has like its diehard niche fans online um back a few years ago when reddit was still really i mean sorry when tumblr was still really big Mm -hmm. um i used to connect with like the fan base on there there's like a ton of like fan fiction and stuff um but it's definitely disheartening that because star wars was the first film to be or was we were the first film to be released under the umbrella with Disney, but of mm-hmm. course their attention was elsewhere because now yeah. they had Star Wars.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, it was a little sad to see that it didn't really get the,
0: the attention. Design. You probably felt yeah. it deserved. Yeah. yeah. Cause it sounds like it was a fun project to be a part yeah. of. Yeah. It also
1: changed like Disney changed the whole storyline to kind of more, make it more like in line with their rhetoric so that okay. was a little weird, me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is doing more animated movies or short films something that you want to do in the future?
1: Yeah, I still audition for animation, like on a weekly basis. I voice a couple characters on different animated projects. I think okay. it's a great job it's I also hear all that stuff musically like I hear it as a song before yeah, I read it yeah so I think like singers are really great for voice work
0: absolutely absolutely yeah. so in terms of your music have you felt that being a female music producer has been challenging in any way shape or form
1: I will say it's challenging in why I th- so I'm really passionate. I'm glad you asked this question because I'm super passionate about this. And um, I think that there's a couple of things I think. So the first thing I think of why there's less female producers is the way that the information is taught. Mm. I think that females are more um, like emotionally inclined. We're more in touch with like our emotional needs and what's and like processing what we're feeling like information kind of comes in we feed it through like this emotional feeder of emotional intelligence and I think men are much more like analytical Mm -hmm. obviously there's
0: exceptions to every yeah yeah for sure
1: but I think like the majority or at least for me this is why so when I got to school I was like dragging my feet because I could never self-teach because I I just could never pay attention long enough to watch like a YouTube teacher because it was just like so analytical. It was so hard for me to retain the information. Mm -hmm. And so I I noticed that when I had different teachers at school that would like tie emotions to lessons, like they'd be like the reason why we use this kind of or 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 like we're going to use this kind of wave shape because it's going to give us this type of sound, this gritty, dark feeling. Right. And then I'd be like, oh, I can tie an emotion to that and I can understand why I would use that thing. But if you just say these are the different kinds of sound waves, I, I can't retain it. So I've been thinking a lot lately about how if there was like another because it's it, it's going to become more popular. But obviously, like just how now you can go to a different kind of high school for different types of learning. Right. I think it will become there will be more like teaching modalities for how this information is taught. And I would be, like, curious to see what a program would look like that is more intuitive for, like, emotional learners.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: And then somebody once, when I was in school, one of my teachers mentioned, he was like, he thinks the reason why there's less female producers is because people are more willing to help females. And um, and kind of the reason why I went to school was because I didn't want that kind of help anymore. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so... Because it's not always just help. Yeah. Um, and so... Because if people had just helped me, that would be a little bit different. Um, and I think it's more like what I was saying of just, like, the learning style. Um, it's just... We would rather, like, be writing the songs and the lyrics and telling the story. I mm-hmm. think... Um, obviously, there's lots of female producers that don't sing. Right. But I think there would be more girls doing it if maybe it was taught a little bit Catered more to like a female learning style.
0: That's interesting, but I it makes complete sense just looking at the scope of the music industry and how everything pretty much is kind of filtered through. I hate to say it's misogynistic, but it kind of is just in how they approach everything. It really is catered to men. So I think that that would be interesting. And hey, maybe you could be the person to start it. You never know.
1: Yeah, definitely. I thought about it. Like I've thought about doing like a beginner class. you know for for women to kind of you know, just get the basics so that they yeah. can remember them and it doesn't feel so overwhelming.
0: For sure. And especially since you're already doing it and you've become successful doing it, it would be great for people to see, oh, there is a female doing it. So I am able to do it as well, because yeah. I talk about representation a lot on the show in terms of race and gender and identity. And if you don't mm-hmm. see somebody that looks like you in any way, shape or form doing what you want to do, you're going to start to doubt that you're going to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's important to become those things and to find a circle of people that empower you with like the confidence when maybe you aren't seeing representation for what mm-hmm. you're doing out there Yeah. to have a group of people that can kind of cheerlead you on and be like, no, you're doing the right thing. Keep going. Um, and, and to, and to become the thing that you don't see. Right. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. So we both know that the music industry is, you know, a corrupt place, and it is difficult to just navigate in any way, shape, or form. And I know you have been open about being sober for many years and being in the music industry. So talk a little bit about that journey for you and how you've gotten to where you are today.
1: Um, well, let's see. I think, like, I wish there were more examples of, of young people In long-term recovery, I think we see lots of examples of famous musicians, pop stars that go in and out of rehab or have stints, and I think there's a reason why things are kept private um, to protect people, and I, I think that's important too. Um, there was this movie that came out a few years ago called the anonymous people. And it was about how we need more people in long-term recovery to be more vocal about their recovery, because you hear more about like the train wrecks that are in and out of rehab and what they're doing. than like the person like Anthony Hopkins, who's been like sober forever. And, um, you know, Lana Del Rey, I think has been sober since she was a teen and she's been pretty public about that. Um, But yeah, I think you don't see a lot of people like me that are in long-term recovery. And I mean that, like, as a female, I mean it as a young person. Um, There's definitely, when I got sober, I was like, alcoholics are only homeless white men. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what do you think of when you think of, like, a typical dude who would need to go to AA? Like, that was obviously my stereotype of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I feel like that's a societal stereotype for sure. Sure. Yeah. And,
1: we, and the only way to change that is by, you know, people like me becoming more vocal that like, hey, I wanted to die. Like, and that, the other thing too, is like people compare to what they see. So if you're mm. not like the kids, like what's that show? Euphoria. Yeah. 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 Um,
0: on HBO with Zendaya.
1: That show on HBO. Yeah. People think, like, like for me, I wasn't, like, a crazy partier. I drank alone. And so there's a lot of people that think, well, if I'm not, like, getting arrested and I haven't lost my family, like, do I need help? And so having representation that, like, alcoholism and addiction comes in all shapes and sizes and looks different. I will say the one thing that I have in common with the guy who's middle-aged, who's been to jail or lost his family or lost his job is that, the emotional bottom is the same. It may it might not have taken me um, all of those consequences to say I need help. I want to change my life, and I'm so grateful for that. And I wish high bottoms for everyone because, like, you don't. They say like the bottom is just when you decide to stop digging. Um, but I think it's important that like if you feel. Like, all that matters is how you feel, right? So, like, right. if you feel you need help, if you feel like your life could be better, um, then then get the help. You don't need to be, like, you know, getting fired from your job and stealing credit cards and, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah. What was the turning point for you when you knew, okay, I need to get help. It's time for me to go to rehab.
1: You know, it was actually one phone call to my boyfriend at the time. I asked him if he thought I was sick enough to go to rehab because I had come from like a therapist's office and she was like, you should check out AA. And I was like, um, I really just wanted to go to rehab. Like I didn't want to just like go to meetings and like go to AA and get sober. Right, like I felt right. I needed the time away from home, which I did. And I did go. But I needed somebody close to me in my life to co-sign that I was sick enough, which, again, is what I'm saying is like it's hard if you don't feel like uh, if you have enablers that aren't going to say yes because of their own insecurities. Or what does this mean about me if somebody in my family needs help? Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. You know, Um, but he was like, yeah, I do. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: was like, "Okay." Then I'm going to go, you know, and I hope that everybody has somebody that they trust in their life that if they were to say, I think you need help, that they would listen. And I don't think that happens a lot, but it's important.
0: So you you made the distinction that you wanted to go to rehab instead of AA. what for you was the difference?
1: Well, I will clarify that I did go to AA after mm. I got a rehab and it's a huge part of my recovery. And I, I, I know there's like an anonymous piece, but I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. But my point was like, I could go to nine meetings a day, but if I was still coming home alone at night to my apartment, I was going to drink. I needed mm. like a running head start to get like a level playing field for myself. Right. Um. Luckily, I went to a program that was like they took us to meetings while we were in treatment and they like brought us around this little town and like we went to the local meetings. So I I really I understood it. But I remember the first time I ever went to a meeting was because this therapist was like, why don't you go to meetings and then like go to a meeting, go to a few meetings and then next week, like, let's talk about it. And I was like, "Okay, lady, but like I need to go to rehab. And so I did. I went to one meeting in the week between... And I remember, like, there was a lady who was talking about how she, like, had an addiction to everything. And, like, if she had a bag of gummy bears, she was going to eat the whole thing.
0: Mm. And I
1: just remember feeling so judgmental. I was, like, this weak-minded. Like, it's so messed up because I get it now. Like, I totally know what she's saying now. And I'm with that maybe with other things. But we, we, there's this thing we say in program, like, don't compare your insides to another person's outsides. And, like, I was doing that, you know, and I yeah. couldn't hear the message that I needed to hear because I was just, like, on a, a defense and, like, trying to survive and protect myself. Um, now I totally get what she's saying. That yeah. might not be, like, my thing. Um, I also was, like, self-medicating for my own trauma, which is like a whole other thing. And I think is a majority of what's happening to people nowadays. Yeah. So like my therapist was like, you need to stop drinking so you can heal the trauma. And I was like, oh no lady, like I, if I could just heal the trauma, I wouldn't need to drink. And she's like, but you can't do it that way. Like you have to be sober and then you can tackle it. So hopefully that's helpful to anybody that is listening. That's maybe like, here's the thing. There's nothing bad that can happen from you, like, going to a program like AA. Like, if it doesn't work for you, there's alcohol's not going anywhere. Drugs aren't going anywhere. Like, you can pick them up again later. But if you're questioning it, I promise you that regular people are not like constantly questioning whether they need to go to AA or stop drinking or like get help for a drug addiction. Like it's just not a thing that's crossing the minds of people. That's a great distinction.
0: Yeah. That's a great distinction. So for you just in your everyday, is it something that you struggle with or do you feel that you really got the tools when you went to rehab to be able to conquer it and say, you know, I don't need this in my life anymore.
1: No, like you are an alcoholic for your whole life. So um, I was really, really active in program until even just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I got sober in New York City. So like I got really heavily involved in young people's AA um, and I did everything with them. We'd go clubbing. We did like parties. We would do Fourth of July, whatever the holiday was, we made a holiday party out of it and It was so important that I had a people, a group of people that were young, that were sober too. And, um, those communities are everywhere. Like you can find them. You just need to like speak out to find them or ask, you know, you can call like your local inner group. Um, but I think it's important to remember that like, just like how, if you'd have an abusive relationship with a partner, if somebody hurts you physically, They say, like, you shouldn't stay with them. Like, it's really hard to ever trust them again because they're capable of that. Um, It's the same thing. Like, you can't turn a pickle back into a cucumber, we say. And so, like, I've already created an abusive... Me, personally, I've already created an abusive relationship with alcohol. I've already used it in a really abusive way that I don't think could ever just be normal. Um, Maybe years from now, I'll change my mind about that. But already now, like... I fantasize like about alcohol it's not like having a with girlfriends it's like abusing it
0: mm.
1: <laughs> and I know that about myself so yeah. I don't have um since I'm in long-term recovery I don't have um like the obsession to drink has been removed a long time ago because I did step work and I work with a sponsor mm-hmm. um and that is i think happens for most people is like you kind of lose the obsession if you do the work um but the disordered thinking around it of like a lot of alcoholics think that if they go back to drinking now after a period of time away from it that it'll be normal and it's like important to remember that that's not usually the case
0: and it's okay that that's not the case as of well of course yeah. and yeah
1: and i personally have a personal belief that addiction is really just a personality a side effect of a creative personality Mm. because we feel the world so deeply and we feel emotions and we sense energy that sometimes we need to like dial it down a little bit and um and just the way that we feel the world like we could want to abuse things because of our own experience of the world around us so I think like, to me, I look at it as a, like, as a gift. Obviously my life has been very different since I got sober and it's given me like a way to check in with myself and a community. And it's like the best thing that ever happened to me. Like when you actually embrace it and you embrace the community, like there's so much good there. Um, rather than just like being a kid trying to figure out life, which is already so harsh. Um, having that community and that like guideline is really special.
0: What do you feel like the most important thing is that you gained since becoming sober
1: perspective? Mm. So like, um, that obviously translates in all areas of life. I think if you can have gratitude in every moment, no matter what's going on and just shift your perspective through the lines of gratitude, like you will be a very much happier person.
0: Absolutely. So being in the music industry, you know, how do you navigate being in those types of environments that might feel triggering in any, in any way?
1: Well, so like I said, I wasn't really like a partier. So I'm not like naturally in those environments. Same. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> I
0: like, we'll go sing and then leave. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like that
1: type of person. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I don't like crowds, which is funny. Like I would rather be performing to the crowd than be in yeah, the crowd. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Same.
1: Um, get it. So, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I I are you in LA? Yeah. So I sing at Sarah's club a lot. I don't know if you know that place. It was in Hollywood. It sadly closed down during the pandemic, but okay. I, oh no! it was, like I know forever. I know I'm heartbroken because oh so it was one of the main places that I love to perform at, but it is definitely one of those just like typical LA Hollywood nighttime, yeah. you know, environments. And every time I would go sing, I would just be like, Oh, I just want to sing and leave. Cause I'm totally like Netflix and chill. Like that's yeah. just my personality. Right. Yeah. So, it, I, and I think that in general you, it, in the music industry you think that you have to be yeah. that type of person to be in that environment but you really don't no. <laughs> you really really no, don't no
1: because look at like I've had the most career growth ever in the past year where I was just making videos at home by myself
0: yeah, you know? yeah. So, and no. I think that's just where we are in general like and I'm also curious to see what's going to happen now that we're kind of inching out of the pandemic in terms of live performance in terms of how people consume content because for the last year, you know, people have been doing live stream concerts. They've been doing Zoom stuff. They've been creating more on TikTok and people have essentially been fulfilled. And it's unfortunate because I do think that there is something about live performance that can't be replicated elsewhere. But in the same way, I do think that we've gained a new way to consume art and appreciate indie artists in this way. So it's going to be cool to see what happens in the next year because I I think a lot of good actually did come out of the last year in terms of music. And art
1: yeah there was a company that I've been talking to and they've started creating these hybrid events where they're still going to have in-person events but then there's an additional aspect where it's going to be on zoom and then there's going to be like a private meet and greet over zoom and I'm like that's so cool because yeah. We're also connected now internationally. So just think about people that wouldn't be in this country or be able to participate. Now we're able to like connect with our fans even more in a way that we probably couldn't have before Absolutely. having to try to figure this stuff out.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's great. And exactly I was thinking globally, like just yeah. your reach is so much bigger now if you're able to do things like that, which is gonna be yeah. great. So for you, what's coming up for you in terms of music and creation and anything that you have in your career that you're excited about?
1: Yeah, so we um, my my one of my last big videos that came out on TikTok, it got like twenty million views and we just shot a music video for it. So it's gonna be out on the thirtieth. And it's a really cool video. I shot it at this really special organization called Special Spirit. Um, it's this nonprofit out here in in LA. Um, we used their horses and their ranch. And then we also filmed with an influencer cat named maple cat, who's like crushing it on Instagram, (laughs) like huge follow! He's got like the most followers of anyone involved. That's hilarious. (laughs) It's going to be so cute. So I'm really excited about that. Where I am going to have like a special little mini concert and music video premiere for that and um, besides that just you know working on new music and trying to figure out what's what's the next move for me yeah and any
0: advice to people that want to specifically get involved with the TikTok community
1: how would they start yeah so I think the most important thing is to figure out what is unique to you like what can you do that nobody else can or what can you do in a way like what do you bring to the thing that you do that maybe other people do that nobody else can bring to it um and then really showcasing like that that best best part of you you know like anybody can dance on TikTok but are you like a really weird dancer are you you know what I mean like what do you do that is unique to you and then just focus on that because if you try to just do what's popular like there's been times where I've been feeling kind of desperate with my fan base and i'm like oh i i know this will get a ton of views because it's a viral trend or whatever it's like that stuff always flops yeah the minute that i do stuff where i'm so entertained with myself and i'm just like laughing at me it's like it's so different the response that i get you know so i would just say like do what you love sorry do what you love and what's unique to you and like you can't fail
0: I love that advice because it also gives the message that there is a place for everybody.
1: And I think people need to
0: remember that. Yeah.
1: I think there's a place for everyone who's authentic, you know, like authenticity doesn't lie. And, um,
0: and you have everything you need to to yes, have any form of success. Yes. So you have all the tools. That's beautiful. Totally, that's great. Well, Meredith, where can everybody follow you and all of your cool music and the videos that you do?
1: Yeah, so my music is on all streaming platforms. Meredith Bull. You can find me on Instagram, Meredith Bull Official, or on TikTok, Meredith underscore Bull twitter whatever you know no, i'm out here
0: we out here awesome awesome well thank you so much for chatting with me thanks for me. having You're, me i really appreciate course, it of course you are a sweetheart and everyone make sure you subscribe to we need to talk and we will talk to you again real soon bye Awesome.